Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It is a pleasure and delight to have you as part of our audience. Uh, Please jump online and give us a rating or a review on this podcast and share this podcast with your friends and family and others on social media and word of mouth, as well as sharing about the other ministries of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. I'm really excited today for a lot of different reasons. One of those, this is the first intro I'm recording since the Dobbs decision came out from the U.S. Supreme Court, overturning Roe and Casey and ending the... Uh, practice of legal abortion across the United States for almost 50 years. Now we know that doesn't mean that abortion is illegal, doesn't mean that it's going to stop happening, so there's still a lot of work to be done, but I think it is important and appropriate to stop and pause and celebrate that victory and give praise to our God for the sanity that was brought about in that decision and his, his gracious allowance to us in our country to put the, that debate um, put more limitations and restrictions on that evil practice of murdering children in their mothers' wombs. Uh, I do want to, as biblical counselors, think about and, uh, and talk a little bit about how we can further minister to those who are, who are impacted by abortion. I was, I, I was blessed to meet with the leadership of Healing Hearts Ministries International a few years ago, and it really gave me a different perspective on how many women and men in our churches are impacted by this. And just a couple things that I want to encourage you to do very practically today is if you uh, do not have on your intake documents, whether it's a PDI or some online form or something like that, a question about whether or not abortion is a part of somebody's past, I encourage you to put some type of question on there. Uh, Over 25% of women in the United States have an abortion at some time in their life, and that's not outside the church only. It's within the church as well. There are a lot of women and men who are struggling with shame, uh, guilt, difficulty, questions, embarrassment uh, about abortion in their past, and they it's very hard for them to open up and talk about it. But if you ask that simple question on their form. Have you or somebody you uh, have been sexually involved with had an abortion in your past? That can be just an open door for them to to share some of that hurt and move forward and, and receive grace, mercy, healing uh, for that and move forward. There's also lots of other great resources out there. So that's one practical thing. Just put that question on your, on your intake documents and then look for and find really great resources on how to do post-abortive uh, counseling. Healing Hearts Ministries International, as I mentioned, they have some books. They have a lot of resources on their website. It's healinghearts.org. Great resource there. There are others out there as well. I know the Wisconsin Coalition of Biblical Counselors has a a woman up there who has been teaching on and talking quite a bit about uh, post-abortive counseling, and I really want to encourage you as a biblical counselor to be equipped to minister well to men and women who are struggling in that aftermath. There are some resources for that on the BCC's website as well, some great blogs there 
that will, will get you started in that direction. And then also we can continue to think about as the church as a whole, how do we care for and love women who are in situations where they have a, have a pregnancy, they are pregnant and they are not wanting that. Um, I've been blessed to be a part of wonderful churches that uh, bring young women into their homes and uh, help them raise the, the child that they didn't think they wanted and and just see some marvelous, wonderful things work through that. The body of Christ is great and wonderful and, and fantastic at meeting needs and caring for people and really promoting life. So let's be out there doing those things, encouraging one another, sharing those resources, and celebrating this magnificent decision. Another great thing that I'm excited about is the person that I'm going to get to introduce you to today on this podcast, a guy named David Peterson, who is the new Biblical Counseling Coalition Operations Supervisor. Uh, I'll, you'll hear a little bit about the backstory with Dave in this podcast, but I was very excited, and the more I get to know Dave and hang out with him and connect with him, the more excited I am that he has joined our team, and he is really going to help push us into uh, a new phase of ministry with excellence and bringing lots of skill and wisdom and knowledge to help us accomplish the mission that God has given to us in an even better way than we have in the past. Uh, some of you have heard and been sending me congratulations that on my new position at Boyce College, so I'll be the program coordinator for biblical counseling at Boyce College, but I'm going to stay on as the executive director here at the BCC, uh, and we've hired Dave to help carry out more of the day-to-day operations side of things to alleviate, uh, to allow me the blessed opportunity of training young men and women to minister to people through God's Word. Really excited about those opportunities and the future of the BCC, and specifically today you'll get to hear about Dave Peterson and uh, what a wonderful resource uh, he is, in addition to just what a wonderful human being he is. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this extra-long intro. I hope that you are blessed. I hope that you see the good that God is doing around you in the world, and I hope you take time to uh, thank Him and praise Him for those things. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 1514. I'm really excited today to both because my guest is in-house, which is always really fun, and because I get to introduce you to uh, someone I'm really excited to know myself and really excited to introduce you to, the BCC's new operations supervisor, David Peterson. So Dave, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Good morning and thank you, Curtis. Uh, I, I felt a little bit like that scene in the new Maverick movie where he's like, I never knew I'd be invited back. And the, and the general turns to him and says, they're called orders. And uh, since you are now an employee, you kind of had to do this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, Dave, why don't you introduce your, yourself to our audience so that they can get to know you a little bit about your family and where you are serving now in ministry. Mm, thank you. Yes. Uh, so my name's Dave Peterson. I currently live in Williamsburg, Virginia with my wife, Stephanie. Uh, we just celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. Uh, we have a daughter, Emily, who is 22, and a son, Stephen, who is 18 next month. And I am currently uh, a Navy, active duty Navy chaplain serving at the Coast Guard Training Center in Yorktown, Virginia. And I'll continue to hold that post until my retirement on the 1st of November. Now, that's not, that's not the only thing you do. And for those who are familiar with mili- mil- long military careers or long federal service, your retirement is a little um, open-ended. Not open-ended, exactly. But you're also serving in a couple other ways. Could you tell our audience about that? 
Uh, yes, and so with my remaining time b- with leave and um, uh, job opportunity, I am also serving as the pastor of biblical counseling at Coastal Church in Yorktown, Virginia. It's a multi-site church uh, with campuses in Yorktown, Gloucester, Chesapeake, Hampton, and we're praying to open one in my hometown of Williamsburg as well. Very cool, very cool. And of course, now for the Biblical Counseling Coalition. So, <laughs> uh, so tell everybody uh, just to, so they can get to know you a little bit, a little bit about your upbringing, how you came to faith, things like that. Sure. So I uh, was raised in a family. I'm the second oldest out of eight. Uh, we grew up in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, not really a churched family. Uh, my dad and mom know Jesus, they, and we would have family Bible readings. Uh, but it was one of those towns that only had kind of one church. And so when we had the pastor was one my dad would agree with, we would go. And when they would rotate out and he had one that he wouldn't, uh, we'd just stay home and, and he would read from the Bible. I uh, left home and, and kind of went my own way. Hadn't really been saved in that environment. Um, and I can remember it was, uh, I'd been in the Navy for about eight years and I was flying from Philadelphia to uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi. And all of a sudden I just realized that my life, I was drinking and just, uh, it was rough. I was about to get kicked out of the Navy if I didn't change what I was doing. And, and my life was just miserable. And uh, I just remember praying, you know, God, if you're there, I, I need to change. I need, I need help. I need to change. And uh, two things happened. My first week in checking into this new command, uh, the first is I, I met a uh, another sailor by the name of Gary Young, uh, who was evangelical and would sit down. And we had, I remember the first book we worked through was the book of, uh, book of John with Arthur Pink's commentary and just walking through it. Um, that same week, I went to a barbecue festival and ran into a nice little Mississippi belle by the name of Stephanie. And uh, uh, between Gary as uh, evangelical influence and, and, my, and Stephanie, who would later become my wife's domestic influence, if you will, um, all of a sudden um, my life changed. I accepted Christ and um, in uh, 90, uh, spring of 96, I uh, started my first job in ministry, a volunteer as a uh, Sunday school teacher for third graders. Oh, and it's just a, <laughs> throw you in the deep end, <laughs> and it's just progressed. From, it's just progressed over the years. Oh, that's fantastic! Well, thanks for telling everybody about that. And you mentioned uh, being in the Navy, and that's uh, as a chaplain now as well. But also sharing a little bit about your experience there. Um, <clears throat> you have a long career in the in the Navy, which actually providentially makes you a great great fit for for the role that you're doing now. Tell everybody about that a little bit. Oh, sure. So I spent my first 24 years as what's known as an operations specialist. Uh, we sit on the ships in the com- uh, Combat Information Center, and we control the operations of the ship, uh, making sure that we're meeting mission. We have uh, we write various procedures to make sure that all of the tactics and techniques are followed properly. Um, my particular specialty was air intercept control, uh, controlling the uh, fighter jets. And uh, I did that for 24 years. Um, I was a senior chief uh, when I was about to retire because just like in many other uh, positions such as ministry, eventually you get promoted out of the part of the job that you love the most. (laughs) And so I was looking at retiring in 2008, and I had already started attending an online MDiv course uh, to, to work on my MDiv, and I started getting the call to become a chaplain. And despite my best protests, God continued to, to lead me in that direction. And in uh, December of 2011, I was accepted 
um, as a chaplain, a little unusual, no broken service, went straight from being enlisted uh, to being a chaplain, and they sent me to a Marine unit out in 29 Palms for, for, for my first go. Oh, wow. That's a, yeah, that is a unique, I mean, for people in the military, that would sound really unusual, uh, but for people outside, don't, probably don't know, but yeah, to go from enlisted, not just enlisted to officer, that happens, but enlisted to chaplain is a big... Big jump there. But um, <clears throat> how do you think those two roles have set you up well for for what we've invited you to do here at the BCC? Sure. So the idea of keeping things on track, developing plans, and we call them plans, actions, and milestones. This is, was our bed and, bed and butter, uh, butter as operations specialists. We would actually have to write policies and op orders and, and tactical plans, and we would have to develop a project and have milestones and, you know, keeping people on track, making sure that we have the discipline to figure out what we need to do, figure out how we're going to do it, and then making sure that we do it. Um, and so uh, ha- having that eye for detail and, and making sure, and, and plus we would also say are insistent in making deadlines. We, you know, <laughs> deadlines are, are de- just that, deadlines. And, and so developing ways that we can do that. My, in, as an enlisted man, I learned the value of working in a team. Um, but being able to take orders as well as give them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's that humility, that leadership, servant leadership aspect was really kind of modeled well for me in my early career. Um, and then when I transitioned into the chaplain, I learned even more the importance of working well with those who might have differences of beliefs and values, mm-hmm. and the importance that we can work together for the same goal and in a collaboration environment, although we may disagree on particulars. Yeah, no, I was really excited when we started looking for an operations uh, supervisor. Um, <clears throat> I think I, we had been talking about something else entirely. So I'll share my side of it and then ask you to share your side of things a little bit. Um, we <clears throat> might have to <clears throat> break there, make a note. <clears throat> Maybe not, 745. Um, so I'll tell my side of the story, and then I'll give you a chance to tell your side of the story. We, back uh, in a, the last couple of years, the Lord really started shifting things, and, and my heart and passions with the Biblical Counseling Coalition love the ministry and what I'm getting to do, but also have a strong, strong heart and desire to teach and to train and to equip and build up uh, future generations of biblical counselors, and opportunities were coming, and began that conversation with the board of directors there to transition to maybe a dual role or something like something along those lines. And we thought, well, it'd be really great uh, if we found an operation, somebody to help on the operation side, run day to day ministry. Uh, I'd still stay involved as the executive director, but free me up to do some more of that exercise, those gifting and passions as a teacher um, and Lord providentially just brought along Boyce College and the opportunity there, which I'm very excited about as well. But we started brainstorming and thinking, man, like a maybe an MDiv student coming out of the business world who has some expertise in operations and helping minister, an organization move forward. That's really where my weaknesses were as the executive director, and I think the BCC would really benefit from that. And uh, we had been talking about the regional network idea and just how do we help build relationships among biblical counselors on a, on a location-based uh, uh, scheme. 
And I think we're, I was driving down the road and randomly said, hey, you know, if you know anybody who's, who might fit this mold, uh, let me know. And then I don't even know why. I just thought, well, I mean, if you're interested, I might even consider that as well. Um, and now, now we're here, so I'll let you fill in the <laughs> your side of the story and the rest of rest of that conversation. Uh, yes, yeah, so actually, my journey here started about uh, thirteen years ago um, in my <laughs> MDiv in my MDiv studies at a at this in uh, this uh, well known uh, seminary that is a integrationist school. Um, remember the professor distinctly saying, "You don't want to be one of those people that use nothing but Bible uh, for, in your counseling." And I kind of said, "Well, actually." I, I kind of do, and so I started the early days of the internet doing a Google search, and, and uh, I went from Jay Adams to George Scipione to IBCD, and uh, so I, I got to listen to the uh, velvet voice of Jim Neuheiser in the <laughs> Institute of Biblical Care and Discipleship in the early days, and then from there I started doing more and more studies, you know, just Googling biblical counseling and, and coming across some of the various associations, the International Association of Biblical Counselors, the Association of Biblical Counselors, and of course at the time, NAIC, um, mm-hmm. which would later yeah. become ACBC. And, and so I've developed an early appreciation for all of the different voices in the movement and um, began to attend conferences when I could, was able to you know, enjoy the IBCD Summer and Spring Institutes. When I was stationed in Southern California, was able to hit uh, some of the other local or regional conferences. Um, and then as I began to develop this biblical counseling ministry for the coastal, I had the opportunity to attend Faith Lafayette this past spring and, and was at the BCC booth and started asking the question, is there anywhere... Biblical counselors from all the different organizations come together, like they do at the Biblical Counseling Coalition on a regional one. And they're like, well, you know, we've been talking about that. <laughs> and uh, you'll, need to, you'll need to talk to Curtis. He's, he's, he's already flown back. Uh, but I uh, had Curtis's, uh, they gave me uh, your contact information. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I let a couple months lapse and then uh, reached out, and uh, we started talking about the regional networks. And uh, when I, and, yeah, I'd love to volunteer to do something like that as, as a, in a coordinator role. And then you ask that question, hey, I'm looking for someone that has all of these. Uh, you wouldn't be interested in doing it. And, of course, my first answer would have been yes. Um, but my lovely wife <laughs> had already warned me about taking on any additional responsibilities. I'm also pursuing a Ph.D. in biblical counseling in addition to the other two positions. Yeah, we didn't mention that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and so, I, I, you know, I, I told Curtis I would need to pray about it, which really mean I had to go home and talk to my wife about it and we would pray over it. Um, and then we, I had to demonstrate to her where I'd be able to absorb the extra four to five hours a day and uh, was able to do that successfully. And, and so, uh, you know, having to give up a few of the Philadelphia Phillies baseball games and, and a couple of other small activities, uh, but we were able to make it work. And so I'm excited to be here and part of the team. Yeah, well, I'm really excited too, because I, when we were talking, I just recognized right away, one, your heart that just is in tune with the mission of the BCC, of seeing mm-hmm. people <clears throat> who unify around the central tenets of what is biblical counseling and agree to those things, affirm those things, but differ in a variety of other ways, still coming together and seeing the value in each other and sharpening each other, building relationships and working together to move forward the common goal of glorifying God through uh, bringing care from his word to people. Um, That, and then 
because really I was mostly looking for somebody who had the operations side of things. And I could, I, at one point, I think I said, I could care less if they know anything about biblical counseling. But then to get you who had that heart for biblical counseling, the vision of the BCC, and then also the experience, I, I told our board of directors, I'm like, he's way overqualified, <laughs> but God just dropped him in our laps. So like it's, I'm really excited about this <laughs> opportunity. My, my wife laughs because she's called biblical counseling my hobby uh, for the last 10 or so years. <laughs> and, and, and she thinks it's hilarious that uh, my first job, real job in the biblical counseling uh, environment is being based on my first 24 years of military service, not my last 10. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's a good fit in, in God's providential wisdom. Yeah, the wisdom is a ch the chaplaincy side of things, and the wisdom you have there is like frosting on the cake for us. So it's mm. it's great. We're really excited uh, to have you there. So tell tell everybody a little bit more. Go into the depth on your <clears throat> call to uh, ministry, and then also your catching the vision of biblical counseling. You shared the the what instigated it, but go into that a little bit more. So uh, the call to ministry actually occurred when I was getting, like I said, I was getting ready to retire. And I uh, was going to, I was working for out of master's at Old Dominion University, shout out to little Virginia there, and uh, to be an elementary school teacher. And at the same time, I was pursuing this MDiv more to educate myself better um, because I was working towards volunteer youth ministry. And, and I, as I, I mentioned over I wish all volunteer youth ministries got, got MDivs. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's actually, and I, I think I shared this with you over breakfast, that it's that idea. And I just remember uh, Jay Adams uh, having people come into his office, and he, they would always start the conversations, I'm no theologian, but, and that, that rebuke, well, come back when you are. Um, and I, I think that theology is such an important part of the Christian walk. Uh, I love this. In my office, I have a sign uh, from Dallas Willard, uh, paraphrasing it, that everybody has a practical uh, theology. And what we need to remember is that the practical theology of an atheist grips and guides their life with just as strong of a force as a, a well-thought-out and well-informed one. Of course, that's a, a paraphrase of it, but that idea that we have to have that grounding in Scripture, the biblical worldview, is, is the ground truth, and that's really what we have to st start everything from, whether it be youth ministry or counseling. And so as I began to develop as a chaplain the realization uh, that anything else was um, insufficient, um, that only the scriptures had that truth and the and the ground truth and 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 so at, even as a chaplain, I learned early on to be authentic and with either the people that would come into my office, I would tell them, "I have nothing else to offer you. Uh, I, I'm not a counselor. I would tell them, "I'm not a therapist. All I can do is is is, is show you how the what the scripture says and how God, who loves you and cares for you, has provided a perspective." That will change the way that you 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 believe that you, the way that you think and the way that you feel about these situations, and that will ultimately change the way that you respond to them. And th those who are receptive would would sit, and we would just go through the scriptures, and I'd show them, uh, you know, Romans chapter eight. I would I would show them First Peter and and, and walking through suffering, uh, you know, and and just walking with them, you know, taking them to Ezekiel and the promise of a new heart and the pour, spirit that would be poured into you, and then taking them to Galatians six, where I'm sorry, Galatians five, where we would see that realized, and then kind of end there at Galatians six to show them that even if they don't do it perfectly those in the church would come alongside them with gentleness and humility to help restore them. And, and it, was, it was just a, a, a amazing. And, mm -hmm. and I knew that that's where I wanted to spend 
the rest of my my time that God gave me in that area. No, it's great. And you mentioned you're doing a PhD and that you did an MDiv, but you're not studying at one of the schools that a lot of biblical counselors are going to. Tell everybody about that and what what led you to make those that decision. So, yeah, so I'm I'm pursuing a PhD. It it's not a school that's well known for its biblical counseling ministry, although they do have a biblical counseling uh, PhD track. Regent University in Virginia Beach. Uh, I know that uh, Jeremy Lelick received his PhD from them as well. And that was really kind of the window that let me know, hey, I don't have to go a traditional route. One, I wanted a seminary that was close to where I was at. And in Virginia, there's really two. Um, And and I was drawn to Regent uh, for several reasons. One, they are... uh, um, they are. They, they do have a strong faith base. Um, they do have an integrationist uh, uh, program, but they were willing uh, to allow me. And this is one of the questions I had when I spoke with them to, to go through it as a biblical counselor with a biblical worldview. And and, and uh, they've given me the freedom and the latitude to explore uh, the biblical counseling um, methodologies uh, against what the secular world tries to offer and, and what I would say even the integrationist psychology, biblical uh, wisdom tries to offer. Um, it's been great. It's really been challenging. It pushes me to the limits. Um, I, I do have one professor, she would keep saying, you know, Dave, you don't have to defend biblical counseling every time. <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and, and so it's been, it's been interesting interacting with students who think that they're doing biblical counseling because mm. it, and and having the opportunity to meet with them in in Zoom or in, in Google Chat and kind of walk them through and open their eyes a little bit. It's been it's been a great experience. No, that's good. I think obviously everybody's going to have a different reasons for going to whatever institution they go to, but I think it is good to hear about people who are going to learn from uh, schools that wouldn't see things exactly the way we do, but do it in a winsome way, in a wise way, in a discerning way. And uh, I think you'll be well equipped to continue to minister to the kingdom uh, through that experience. So that's really fascinating. It's also a good thing for us. I think historically we've sometimes we can see somebody's background, their education and make assumptions about them based on those things. And it's really important that we not and we just get to know the individual, hear their heart, hear their hear their vision and understanding of what what Scripture says and uh, how we how we apply uh, that in in our counseling ministry. So what what excites you about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, and then what excites you about the opportunity to work with us at the BCC? What really excites me about the Biblical Counseling Coalition is is that idea that we are we're acknowledging that there may be uh, slight differences in the way that we approach, but we all have that same goal. Um, I always I always talk about there's a difference between competitive cooperative and collaborative relationships. Mm. Uh, you know, the competitive relationship is where I must win and, and, and you must lose. Uh, a cooperation is where I have a goal. I walk towards that goal. You help me towards my goal and I help you towards your goal. And we think that that's a pretty healthy relationship. But again, it's me achieving my goal, you achieving your goal. And we just assist each other. Where a collaboration is you and I have the same goal. And we're walking together. And I really love the collaboration that, that the Biblical Counseling Coalition offers. Mm. Um, the the um, uh, 
books, you know, the, the collaboration on chapters of, the, of the, the trilogy, for example, and just being able to hear these different voices um, kind of, you know, speaking in, in unison. And it, it's just, it's, it, the spirit is just uh, something I love to be part of. Um, and, and also as a chaplain, I've noticed um, there's a lot of chaplains that have stumbled and have fallen or are, have left the ministry because ministry is tough to do by yourself. Mm. And, and the idea that um, we can gather together with like-minded individuals and provide that fellowship that we just so desperately need. And we may not align completely on everything, but as long as we can meet the fundamentals, which we, we find in our confessional statement, we're able to, to help and, and, and encourage each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I love seeing it at the leadership level that the, the Biblical Counseling Coalition brings. And I, I like to bring that same type of fellowship and resource uh, collaboration to regional networks. Yeah. And so individual uh, biblical counselors, I call them the one of ones, or the, two, you know, the, one, there, are, there are only one or two counselors deep at every church has that same opportunity that someone who attends a larger church with more counselors can receive. Yeah, and we're excited about that initiative that we've been actually percolating. It was percolating and having discussions about before the pandemic, which went aside with a lot of other things, at least put on the back burner. Um, but I'm excited about moving forward with that initiative, especially with your heart, passion, and energy behind it to, to really bring that to it. Because that is something that's been on the heart, my heart. My very first meeting with the board of directors, they said, kind of give us, if you had a five, 10-year vision, that was part of it, is taking the fellowship that we are able to experience, the sharpening that happens, the collaborative work that happens at the annual summits, and how do we share that experience with other people? And this regional network concept is is one way of doing that. And we're I'm excited to see how that fleshes out in the years to come. So, uh, and anything else you want to say to our audience? Anything else you'd like to share? Uh, just you know, the uh, as we're, we're getting ready for our next campaign, I don't know if we've announced unite locally unite globally yet but well we just did so there you go Um, but just that idea of the importance of uniting locally and please if if you are uh, a single biblical counselor and and you feel like you're alone in the world uh, know that i was one just like that Um, and if you reach out to the uh, bcc we'd love to start connecting people with the regional networks and and providing that uh, the fellowship the the strengthening the encouragement um, also, something very similar with chaplains. If you're the biblical counselor in your church and you're struggling, who do you go to? Uh, you know, you're the one that the pastor refers the people mm-hmm. to, and 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 so we also, you know, when we are able to gather as biblical counselors, we can provide counsel for each other as well. And we'd like to make that offer too. If you're a biblical counselor who's struggling, please contact us, and we'll be able to connect you with a biblical counselor in your area, um, or do something over Zoom. And so. Yeah, well, we're excited about that. And as Dave mentioned, we are going to be entering not just a campaign, but a season where we are trying to help expand uh, people's understanding of the Biblical Counseling Coalition and our vision about uniting the movement. And we are going to be focusing some initiatives on our local side of things, uh, the Unite Local, kind of the regional network, and then Unite Global as we are re- uh, revitalizing our vision for a global summit as well as exploring how we can 
facilitate these types of relationships and ministries of collaborate, collaborating and unifying around the primacy of the Word of God and the care of souls uh, internationally. And so if you check out our website, you'll see on our map, there's a growing number of international ministries that have this like-minded vision and mission of uniting around that uh, call of using God's Word to bring care to hurting and suffering people um, and sinners. And as and and then you'll see more and more communications coming out about both of those things. So you'll hear that a lot more now. Unite local, unite global, and if you want to support us in that ministry, please jump online, give us a donation. Uh, single special donations are always appreciated, but we also really appreciate those who commit with us for a ongoing recurring gifts. Uh, so please jump online, click on the donate now button and sign up for that today. Well, Dave, of the last two minutes I've, of our podcast, I reserved for a segment called two minute favorites. And I didn't share these questions with you. I even sprung this interview on you a little bit. Um, you think you're up for that challenge? Absolutely. All right. I'll have to remember the questions because I, I don't even have my computer screen open here. Uh, but here we go. Uh, starting now, what is your favorite food? My favorite food is hot dogs. What's your favorite color? My favorite color is gray. Favorite sport? Uh, baseball. Favorite sports team? Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, what is your favorite gift you've ever received? The favorite gift I've ever received would have to be, well, the one I use the most is I have a coffee cup that reminds me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I drink out of that every day. And that was a good gift. Uh, favorite gift you've ever given? The favorite gift I've ever given would be the gift of life to my two children. Uh, favorite candy? My favorite candy, the jelly beans, the cheaper the jelly bean, the better. Favorite, uh, book, uh, favorite book of the Bible. Favorite book of the Bible is the one that I'm currently studying for some reason. That always happens, and it's Titus. All right. Favorite book outside of Scripture? Famous book, or my favorite book outside of Scripture. Ooh, great question. I would have to, um, well, right now it's the Gospel for Disordered Lives, because that's the one I'm spending the most time in preparing uh, uh, for the, the church. All right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Favorite ice cream flavors, chocolate chip mint. Uh, favorite Bible verse? First Thessalonians 5.14. All right. Uh, if your mother were to describe you in one word, what word would she use? She would probably say funny. If you could choose any superpower, what superpower would you choose? I would choose... Uh, uh, flying. To be able to fly, yeah. If uh, favorite job outside of the, I was going to say one you currently have, you currently have a lot of jobs. So favorite job you've ever had? I will have to say, and I did, um, um, I did not mention Low Country Biblical Counseling earlier, but they, um, I provided some Zoom counseling for them during the pandemic that I absolutely enjoyed. All right. Well, that wraps up two minutes right on the money. So Dave Peterson, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today. And thank you even more for the role that you're going to be playing as our operations supervisor. Uh, thank you. And I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.